Welcome to the Long Hollow Group Leader Podcast. We believe that life change happens best in circles, not rows. And so whether we're talking about your life group, your D group, or your family, this resource exists to help you make disciples that make disciples. All right, we are continuing on as we look at uh, what it looks like to prepare to lead a D group. Um, Mike, you and I talk a lot about before you actually start your D group week one, there's a lot of work that goes into it. That's why if you're in a group currently, a current D group, we, we encourage you to get up to three months out to begin to talk about what it looks like to lead your group. So how to find the right people, how to invite them well, and to, you know, to get ready to launch it well, it takes some time. And if you're not in a D group, it's really the same process. And the reason why we ask for you, get, we really encourage to give you a long runway is because of this topic today. We're talking about how to select the right people for your next D group. Do you mean there's it's, wrong people for my D group? Exactly. Exactly. So what we're, what we're trying to do is we're going to give you a strategy here to, for you to select the right people in your D group, because if you, it, it's going to bring back flashbacks to picking your dodgeball team or your basketball team or whatever, <laughs> we're going to give you a strategy so that you can make sure you get the right team because we've all been stuck with people that are bad and in, in, in our team collapses. <laughs> and so we're not, we're going to give you, we're going to help you select the right people so that your D group can thrive. Um, and so uh, that's actually there's we would say there's two important factors for you to start your D group well. These are super important. Mike, do you remember them? I do. Test. I do. Do you want me to tell you? Yes. All right. So we have to select the right people. That should be pretty obvious. We've talked about that for about a minute and a half now. <laughs> that's right. Uh, but we also have to set the right expectations from the very beginning. That's really good. Yes, I love that. What you passed. There we go. The life group guy <laughs> knows the D group stuff. I love it. So let's, let's look at that. We're going to talk about selecting the right people in this episode. In another episode, we'll talk about what it means to set the right expectations. But what are some of the qualities that you're looking for in future D groups? Um, what, when, we, when we're talking about selecting the right people, what, is, what does that mean? Well, Vic, you know how much we love our acronyms. So we, we do. have an acronym. Uh, and honestly, I don't know that we created this. Might have, I don't know if it's unique to us, but... Uh, we use the acronym FAITH, right? So if you spell the word out, you get faithful, available, intentional, teachable, and hungry. So these are the types of people that you're looking for when you are, when you're looking for the people that are going to be in your group, you're thinking about who you're going to invite, praying about who you're going to invite. This is kind of the metric we want to apply to those people to yeah. see if they're the right ones. That's really good. How do you discern if someone has those qualities? Well, with faith, um, I think it's very important to to look at that person and are they being faithful where they are right now? So we don't yeah. want to try to get somebody in the group. It's like, man, I bet you I can get them to be faithful if I just get them in the D group and get them to do all these disciplines. If they're not faithful where they are right now, they're not going to be faithful in the D group. Because yeah, that's so good. The expectations are higher, the requirements are higher. You know, we're going to be doing things, uh, and the expectation is that they're doing it. Uh, if they're not being faithful in the life group in terms of showing up or participating mm. or helping lead, you know, those types of things, they're probably not ready for the D group environment. Now, available yeah. is pretty obvious. You know, this is their schedule. If if there's constantly a scheduling conflict between 
D group and whatever that other thing is, then D group is going to lose eventually. Yeah. They might make the accommodation in the beginning, but it's going to get old and they're just, they're not going to do it. And you know, they may, that's okay, right? That they're not available. Maybe yeah. it's legitimate. It's work. It's an illness. It's whatever those things are. But we got to, we want to make sure that if we're inviting them in, they are available to show up and commit on that weekly basis. And I think that's, that's like the hardest one for me personally, because the others faithful, intentional, teachable, hungry, it speaks to character. And it's a little bit easier to say, well, I'm not going to ask that person because they have their character or their commitment level. I just, they're just not quite there yet. Yeah. Uh, but the available, it could be somebody who, man, they love Jesus. They're committed. They're doing here journals. They're doing scripture memory already. Like I want to be that person when I grow up, you know, I can admire that person so much, but it may not be the right season. And, it, and I've got in and, and that person and I both have to have the discernment to be able to say, man, not right now. And I think that's why available is, is one that's tricky. I see a lot of people get hung up on that and they bring really great people in, but the group struggles because it really wasn't the right season. That person just wasn't available. Yeah. What are some of the other ways that you kind of gauge if they're men or women of faith? So with, with teachable and hungry, I think are two, all, they're all important, but teachable yeah. and hungry are some of the biggest ones for me because if someone isn't teachable, if like they feel like they've got it figured out and they're never going to take any input from anybody else or they're never going to admit at least that they're wrong or any of those things, it is very difficult to work with someone who is not teachable. Yeah. Um, it is also very difficult with, to work with somebody who's not hungry. Like if they don't want it, like I can't, I can't make somebody want to grow their spiritual life, to dig into the word deeper, to memorize scripture. I can't make them want to do that. That's right. And if they don't want to, uh, again, similar to the availability, eventually D group is going to lose because, mm. all right, well, I tried it. I really don't want to do this. I have no desire to do this. I'm not even interested in doing this. Okay. They're going to eventually quit, but it's not like they're just going to drop out. They're going to cause a lot of damage to the group while they're yeah. there because being uh, lazy is contagious. Yeah. So if we're requiring the people in the group to do these things, these disciplines, and you've got someone who's consistently not doing it, sooner or later, mm -hmm. some of those other guys or gals are going to be like, well, he's never got his stuff done, so I'm not going to worry about it this week. And then before you know it, almost nobody is doing anything. So they yeah, have to yeah. be hungry to do it. They have to want to be doing it. Mm. No, I love that. I think that's so good. You like, I mentioned that contagious word. And I think that's why all of this is so important. The why you need to make sure it's men or women of faith is because, um, man, commitment and lack of commitment is contagious. Yeah. And so if you have people who are hungry, like you were just saying, Mike, it's going to spur on everyone else. On the flip side of it, if people are being lazy, it's gonna spur them, it's gonna spur the other people on to not do the disciplines. <laughs> and so, like that's why selecting the right people is so important. There's a quote that Robbie has taken from you, Mike. It was yours originally, and Robbie gets all the credit for it. That's a joke. <laughs> uh, it's actually the other way around because yeah. <laughs> I need to make sure that my boss is happy that I'm not you know jipping my boss here. Yeah, I was but, curious. I was curious where you're going. I was like, really? He got a quote from me. That's interesting. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> 
no, Robbie has a quote. He's what you you know better than I do. The drag quote. <laughs> yeah, if you if you have to drag somebody into the group, you're going to have to drag them along the entire time that group's meeting. Yeah. No, that's so that I, and I love that. And again, with the D group, you should not be the only one committed to it. You should not feel like you're dragging people along. There are many, many weeks where when you select the right people, your D group are pushing you and uh, and it's encouraging you. You shouldn't feel like the only one that's got to keep the conversation going and keep it a high priority. These people are going to be able to prioritize it. And it's a huge part of your group thriving. So, okay, Vic. So these are the people that were, this is the type of person or people that we're looking for. Where do we find them? Yeah. Uh, so the first place I'm going to look is my life group. And so it just makes sense. That's where they're already in a group environment. We believe life change happens best in circles, not rows. They've already understood that they're living out the one another's of the faith. Um, they're praying for one another, encouraging one another, serving one another. Um, they're already around the word of God and the people of God. And so, uh, and really the life group, we want it to be a place where you can belong, believe, become, the D group is the become step of that. Yeah. And so they're linked. And so I started my life group. If I'm not in a life group, this is going to be hard. And that's why we always say it's so important for those to be together in this. Um, so a couple other places though, that you can look other than life group is volunteer teams um, is another place uh, you can, you're looking there, like really what you're trying to do is where are there places where people have moved past just attending on Sunday morning? Where are there people who are not just consuming, but they're contributing to the community of faith? It's places where the one another's are being lived out. Those are the people that I'm looking for because you, you said this earlier, Mike, I thought it was really good that if they haven't met the bar, the lower bar of commitment to like a life group, they're definitely not going to hit it at the D group level. Yeah. And so what you want to do, and this is a tendency when it comes to selecting these uh, men and women of faith, you're going to want to say, like, you're going to want to say, man, that person, if, if they just got in the D group, I really think it would do something great. I really think they would become faithful. But the thing about it is that D group is always a response to faithfulness, not an opportunity to prove faithfulness. Yeah. And so I think that's what's so important. Where are they already faithful? And, and the response to that is take your next step, which is a D group. So then what do I do? All right. So we got all these areas, right? I've, a life group I might look at, I got some volunteer teams that I might be doing. What if I get through all that and I still don't have very many names to choose from? Yeah, I think that's really common. Um, most people can struggle in, in thinking of a bunch of names, especially when you realize you may need to add more names than actually three to five because some people may say no. And so we can look and feel like, man, we see those blanks and we're really discouraged. And what I would say is start with prayer. God, will you fill that name? Um, and, and, and commit to doing that for a couple of weeks. And I think you'll be surprised that a lot of times the Lord reveals who that person's going to be. And you didn't initially think of it, but the Lord really wants you to consider them. Yeah. I would say that that prayer piece is, it is vital and so important to this process, but I think either consciously or subconsciously, we have a tendency to dismiss it. Um, like we say, Hey, I don't have any names for the people to be in my D group. I want to do this, but I don't have anybody to disciple. And a lot of times the answer is like, well, let's spend some time in prayer and uh, see what the Lord has for us. And w the response is like, yeah, 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 I get that. I'm going to pray, but I don't have any names. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, it's 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 interesting how we do that, and I don't think that it's intentional. I think it it's just it's how we function as uh, people. Where yes, I'm going to pray about it, but like I don't have any names right now. I need names right now, instead of waiting yeah. on the Lord to fill those blanks for us. No, that's so good, and I think that's the first step. You you start and say, God, I'm going to trust that you're going to fill that. Is you're praying about it a couple of weeks ago, you know, ask the group, Hey, do you guys know of anyone? Because hopefully this group consists of people that you, there's going to be overlap and friend circles often, because a lot of times it's life group people, or you've been living life with them for the last year. So ask them if they know anyone. And this isn't where I would ever, this wouldn't be where I would start. But if you feel like you've prayed, you struggled to think through names, man, consider if you need to combine with another group. And we talk about this. It's great. I, I love leading with a co-leader. It really like it's it's really great. I mean, and so there's no problem with that. Um, what we want is for each co-leader to invite one person. So you at least have one person and you invite them into that group and you lead together. And that's it, it's better to start with one group of really solid people with two co-leaders than it is for two groups that have okay, okay group or not men or women of faith or, you know, only one person. It's better to combine that into one group. And so with that in mind, Mike, um, you know, why is that? Why is it better? Like, for instance, why would it be better for you and I to combine efforts and lead as a group opposed to discipling people one-on-one? -on -one? Why do we disciple in groups? So there's a couple of practical reasons, and then there's a really important spiritual reason. So spiritually... Which one are you starting with? I'm going to go okay, with spiritually spiritual because that's where we need to focus, <laughs> right? So uh, spiritually, we disciple in groups because it's how Jesus did it. You know, oh, there's the, Jesus, there's the spiritual mic. Yeah, job. there's our Jesus juke, right? <laughs> so, you know, Christ discipled men in groups. He didn't do it one-on-one. -on -one. So he's our yeah. model, right? We should be looking to him for how we conduct ourselves, how we live this Christian life, how we do all, all of these things that we do, how we live our life. He's our model for all of it. So if he did it in groups, we need to do it in groups. Yeah. Practically. Uh, you know, you say you've got that guy who's on the fence. He's like, man, I don't know if I'm ready to do this. I feel like I need to learn yeah. more about the Bible, all that kind of stuff. When you get into a one-on-one -on -one environment, there is a much higher expectation that you know everything, right? It, it's yeah. almost like a mentoring relationship. You know, if you've ever been in that mentoring relationship, that's a one-on-one -on -one relationship typically. Uh, and you're going to that person because he's the he's the sage, you know, he's the mm. the man with all the wisdom. He's the Solomon in your life that has all the answers for everything that you're ever going to go through. You know, imagine how much more pressure is getting compounded on that person to lead when they feel like they've got to be that person. Yeah. Another reason is when you're working with a group of people and one person is struggling, there's more people involved to help come alongside that person and strengthen them and encourage them. There's more accountability when it's, yeah. you know, three to five versus, you know, one-on-one. -on -one. Um, yeah. you know, and there's a greater opportunity with more people in the group for multiplication to be greater. So if I'm just yeah. doing one-on-one -on -one and I get through this 12 to 18 months and then my guy says, Hey, you know what? This was great, but I'm going to, do something else now there is zero multiplication but if i've got you know three or four other guys in my group and one guy decides it's not the right time or he doesn't want to do it anymore i still have other people in that group that are potentially unlikely 
going to continue on and multiply the group. So I'm increasing my odds that multipli multiplication will actually happen by the end of it because people change their mind. It's 12 to 18 yeah. months. Circumstances yeah. change. Life happens. All of this stuff happens. And when we just do it one-on-one, -on -one, it limits the amount of success greatly that we're going to see. And I think that one-on-one -on -one just in, in, it's very intimidating, the reproductions uh, part of it, because what if the one leader you have is a much different personality than you? It's a much different experience level or maturity level. I look and I compare and say, I've got to lead like this person led me. And that doesn't always work. If an extrovert is leading an introvert and then they try to lead their next group or next person like an extrovert, it's going to flop. But whenever you do it in a group, you see more of personalities, you see more of the body of Christ at work, and you see differences, and you're able to then acknowledge, man, okay, this is kind of who I am and who I'm not, and I can lead from that. I don't have to lead just like that person. I'm a little bit more like this person over here, this member in our group. And there's that holy man myth kind of thing that happens. <laughs> like, if it's one-on-one, -on -one, I can't tell you how many times I've been like, well, I didn't do my, my scripture memory. And I know you did, leader, but you're a leader. You know, yeah, you're you're, I'm a member. Yeah. yeah, you're supposed to do it. You're supposed to be better than I am. But when members are doing it alongside, I'm like, well, crud, man. Yeah. That person to the right of me is doing it. I got to step up my game. And well, so, yeah. Especially for men, that competitive nature kind of kicks in. It's like, oh, man, I'm the only one not doing it. I better get, I better get my uh, button gear here. <laughs> That's exactly right. <laughs> so, so what's the ideal number then? If we're saying one-on-one -on -one is not uh, a great idea, what's the ideal number? What, we should, we, what should we be aiming at? For me, the ideal number, this is me personally, it's not written rule. I like four, four people total. That includes me in it. And the reason is it finds a sweet spot between a group fill, meaning if one person uh, can't make it that week for whatever reason, there's still three. And so I really like that. And, but it also allows us to go deeper. And so we're able to get into to follow up accountability questions a little bit better because of that. So for me personally, it's four. Um, as you're thinking through it, you may do less, you may do more. I wouldn't do more than six. I think it gets really hard pretty soon. It's like somebody drops the bomb of like, well, my, my wife's cheating on me. I think we're going to get divorced. Like, well, that's great. But your five minutes are up. We'll pray for you, Tommy. And we'll talk about it next week. Great. Good yeah. luck, buddy. And you move to the next one. Yeah. You know, like, so I really like having a when you get past six, it's just no way to keep going deep unless you're going to do a three hour D group and that nobody's sticking with that for a year. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, and so, but again, I would just say, as you start writing down whatever number you ideally want to land at, be flexible with that number. It may be less, it may be more. And you want to be sensitive to that. And then also write more people realizing that you're not all going to say yes. And so um, as we finish today, that we have a lot of resources that are going to help you in this journey. So if you are currently in a D group, you probably have already been experiencing our multiply guide. We have that in here still, that link. But if you're planning to start a D group, we want you to register your D group once you get the names down. Once these people say yes and you form that group, we're going to have the link for you to register your D group. And then we're going to have a D group starter guide, which is going to help you walk through the first three weeks of your new group. And lastly, subscribe to this podcast because this is a way that we're going to continue to walk alongside you and help you as you make disciples. And so we are praying for you. We hope this is helpful and we look forward to what God's going to do through you and your D group in the days ahead. 